Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love to talk to creative people about what they do. I want to apologize first off. Uh, I haven't had a podcast in a while because I haven't had a voice. Um, I've had a little something going on in my throat for a couple weeks. It's not fun, but I think that I'm on the mend. Um, you will hear in this interview that uh, I'm not quite there yet. I literally lose the, my voice during it. And I have my guests reading their own observation deck questions, you know, which is like choose your own adventure. But um, anyway, I wanted to do an episode about this show and these two performers. Um, it's Danielle Gaither and Pip Lilly are the actors. They're in a show called For the Love of a Glove, which is a new musical that's just opened in Los Angeles. It's an absurdist musical comedy about the life of Michael Jackson, early Michael Jackson, like way before Thriller, I think. Um there's Osmonds involved and rivalry, which I'm all all about. I love that. Uh, there's puppets. Uh, there's at least one song about masturbation, um, which I said as a question, and I don't know why I question masturbation. It's one of the few constants that we have. Um, but I think there might actually be two songs about masturbation, and maybe or maybe one's a reprise. Anyway, it sounds like a really fun, crazy show. I'm excited to see it. I got to go backstage and talk to Danielle and Pip. Um, this Sunday night and uh, hear about the show. Danielle, you may know, she was on Mad TV. She's done the Mismatch Game a couple times as Wendy Williams. She's also been on shows like Two Broke Girls and uh, The Black Lady Sketch Show. She gives voices on, uh, did a voice on BoJack Horseman, which I'm a huge fan fan of. Pip, I know a little bit through the Celebration Theater. He used to be involved there when I was hanging around that area. I saw him in this great play called The View Upstairs. He's also done stuff with Second City, and he did a Michael Jackson show before, something to do with Michael. So it's 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 not totally uncharted territory for him. So um, before I get to the interview, though, I want to mention the Mismatch Game is coming up next weekend, Friday the 7th and Saturday the 8th. The 7th and 8th of February, Oscar weekend, the Friday and Saturday. Hopefully I'll have a voice. Um, if you want to know more about it, check it out at LALGBTCenter.org. Okay, and here, before I lose my voice again are Danielle and Pip. Hey there, I'm coming to you from the dressing room of a new show that just opened here in L.A. called For the Love of the Glove or a Glove? A Glove. A For the Love of a Glove. And I'm with two of the stars, Danielle Gaither and Pip Lilly. The show's just opened this weekend. Yes. It's a musical. Yes. It's wacky. <laughs> and how do you feel about your opening weekend? This is Sunday night. I haven't seen the show yet. I'm coming soon. Um, it's been crazy. We've had some great audiences. We had, we're working out a couple of little kinks here and there on the technical side. That would ha- that's, that's what happens. That's the thrill of live theater. Of course. Yeah, this particular show, I've never done a show that didn't, especially a comedy and a new, brand new musical that didn't have like some sort of preview. And we really didn't have a preview for this. We kind of opened cold. So it's been, it's been, there's still some fine tuning, but it's a good show. My boyfriend came opening and he does not like musical theaters. He does not particularly like theater that much, but he had a great time. I love it. Yeah. He really well, liked it. I was reading about it. You were telling me a little bit about it. It sounds crazy, but how would you guys describe the story? Well, they say in the log line, it's a musical fable about Michael Jackson and his glove. And so it's an absurdist. I look at it as this is like, oh, that's the explanation. It's like it, this is everything the, makes sense. This now? is the explanation yeah. of every wacky thing from the elephant man's bones mm-hmm. to the glove to the sleepover with children. The Peter Pan, yeah, that kind of stuff. So it's sort of offering you an explanation of how, even bubbles 
Everything bizarre from Neverland is given an alternative explanation that you can choose to believe. Because here we are at the Center for Inquiry, so it's all about skepticism and... Right. Uh, asking questions. Yes! Mm -hmm. Asking questions. And the show itself, <clears throat> uh, just the musical, is kind of like... If you could think of, like, Book of Mormon meets Avenue Q. Yes. It's kind of that, because there's, there's, there's a lot about... Uh, religion and a little skepticism about religion a little and definitely some satire about it uh and then there there's puppets yeah there's yeah. some amazing puppets do you guys well. operate the puppets or are oh, you yes oh we yes we both have puppets we have both have three full body puppets and hand puppets yes yeah. i think i have three puppets i'm emmanuel lewis hazel gordy and then i'm a an alien that looks like a glove. Yeah. So you play multiple characters, both yes. of you. Yes. 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 We play we play both puppet characters and human characters. Yes. He plays. I don't think I play any humans. You don't play any humans. You, I only animals? play puppets and and animals. <laughs> he plays. Uh, yeah, you Several. play some actual humans. Yeah. What made you want to be involved in it? How did this show come to you? For me, it was honestly the Emmanuel Lewis thing. I got referred through like a friend. Because it was like, hey, we're looking for black people that are funny and maybe do puppets. And I saw like, oh, they have need someone to do Emmanuel Lewis. And I've, I've had an Emmanuel Lewis randomly for years. So I'm like, oh, that looks fun and easy. Just in your bag of tricks as yeah, Emmanuel just, you know, Lewis. Yeah, I'm like, when the hell else am I ever going to get to do it? Did it's you like, ever do it on Mad TV or anywhere? No, have you ever, never, never done it anywhere. It. Just, you know, parlor tricks. So I thought, well, that looks fun and easy. Yeah. The fun, yeah. The easy, meow. you know, it's a lot of work. It's uh, it's because we're because you you got to play other parts too. So it's and this choreography. No, there's the choreography. The choreography is great, but for me, the music theory was the thing that I had was like the biggest learning curve for me. You haven't done like a lot, a lot of, of harmonies. I I did musicals in high school, but I have not done a musical since 1987. And that was high school, so mm, it was yeah. not very strict on like, oh, you're a little sharp on that, and you know. But I think I got stronger in that area, but I was, you know, scared about it in the beginning. Well, I was looking at the credits for the composers and stuff, mm -hmm. and they've done big things. And oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Britney yeah. Spears songs. Right. Yeah, Coco's written for Britney yes, Spears. Yeah. 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 So so, the music is amazing. And uh, Yes, the music is, is legit. I, I didn't know anything about what the show was when I first heard the title. I heard For the Love of a Glove. And I saw, I was sent a casting notice by Victoria Hoffman, our casting director, and I thought, oh, it's, it's my, from the title, I thought, this is some sort of safe sex show. <laughs> and I was not interested at right. all. So, but Julian Nitzberg, who wrote <clears throat> it and directed it, right. uh, was, I'm a terrible networker. I do not like doing it. I don't like going to parties. I don't like doing any of that stuff and talking to people and handing out cards. I'm bad at it. But I was at the theater one time, and at intermission, I started talking to this guy. And we sort of hit it off. And he was also with Betsy, who's our producer. And uh, Julian said that night, he's like, we're going to work together. That was probably like three years ago, four years ago, or something like that. And then this came around, and his name was on. And I'm kind of like, oh. And he sent me a message saying, like, oh, remember I said we're going to work together? This might be it. So come in. And they had me come in, and they had me read a bunch of stuff and sing a bunch of songs. And they had me come back and sing a bunch of more songs. And they didn't know what they wanted to do with me, but... Uh, Julian kind of wanted me in it, and I was really grateful. So once I found out what it was, I was like, oh, I am game for this. Because I love MJ. I love his music. Um, I love the mystique. And the puppetry thing, I, I'm always drawn to something I haven't done before, and I've never done puppetry before. And the puppet musical? Come on. That sounds like a hilariously yeah, good time. Yeah, the puppet thing. Because we got to go to puppet camp. Yeah, is it hard? I'm, I yes. imagine it's a lot harder <laughs> than it looks. It is more physically grueling than it's than it looks. But the puppet camp was good because it helped demystify. We literally had a day of puppet theory. 
where it. it was like the history of puppets. And one thing they said that resonated with me was they said it's kind of like African mask dance, which is true. Where they're wearing a mask, but they're mm-hmm. telling a story. Right. And then there's a, like a lot of technical stuff that we learned as well. And so that knowing how to do it made it less scary for me. Right. Right. Now, what is your own history with Michael Jackson? I read something in the program that you went to a court. Oh, yes, yes. I went, well, I had time on my hands. And so my friend Bruce <coughs> called me and he's like, hey, you want to go up to the trial? I called the sheriff's department. This was There's a the lottery. Michael Jackson trial. Yeah, it was 2005. It's like there was a lottery basically right. with the sheriff's. So having, I have, I'm a trial watcher. You know, I watched yeah. all of OJ. I watched, you know, Casey Anthony, you know, Connor. I watched all of them. And so I was like, yeah, let's just drive up there. So the first time we didn't get in, you know, we, they just literally give you lottery tickets. And then the next time it's like, okay, if one of us gets in, we got to report back everything. And then we both got in. So this is in a barber trail. Yeah, yeah, and you went all the uh, way up there. Yes, yeah. and because it's like oh, it's a nice little road trip through like solving, and you know, like, yeah, it's it'll be a story. Beforehand. And uh, it was pretty, you know, worth it. I have to say. And he was in the courtroom. He was in the courtroom. He did a wave, and it was like <laughs> Michael waved at me, and then I realized he waved at everybody. You just thought he was you waving just took at it you. For your he own. definitely had a presence. He was a lot taller and skinnier than I thought. And he was, like, wearing all black with the cowboy boots. Catherine was there. Joe was there. Jackie was there. Like, a lot of the family. And there were some celebrities floating around, but I can't. It was a half day because the judge had to go do something else. It's great, though, because you get the experience. But yeah, you're not there all yeah. day. But, like, all the black SUVs pulling up. And there was fans from it. They had, they had to put up a chain link fence yeah. to keep the crazy fans from, like, whatever. And all the media, like, hard copy, you know, all the just, you know, tabloid kind of media. So it's like, it's crazy, because like I've never saw Michael Jackson in concert, but it's like, this is like the only time I'm going to see Michael Jackson in the flesh. Yeah, what a, what a thing. What's your history with him? Have you always... Mine's like him? everybody else was born when I was born. I mean, he was already famous as a child star when I was a little kid. And right. then on top of that, uh, I was, you know, I was in high school in the 80s, Michael Jackson, big deal. And then uh, we had, uh, when I was in Chicago, and I was doing... When I first started in comedy in Chicago at Second City, uh, I did a, uh, a workshop for Second City's business theater side. Bizco, right. they called it. And uh, they made us take this musical theater workshop, or a musical improv workshop, just the new people. And uh, I was introduced to the music director. He's like, oh, you can sing. I'm like, oh, yeah, I used to do musical theater for a living. So like, oh, I'm doing this underground new musical. It's called The Roof is on Fiddler. And it's okay. a filler on the roof, but it's done with all 80s songs. <clears throat> How fun. In place of the show songs, and they've been tweaked. He's like, we need a Michael Jackson, because Fruma Sarah is going to be Thriller. So I was like, you know, it's like, instead of, it's like, I'm Fruma Sarah. So I got to send up my MJ. I sat on some guy's shoulders, and I had this long thing and a wig, and I was Fruma Sarah, but I was singing uh, the Thriller song, and everybody was doing the Thriller dance. <laughs> And and I, that was that's my Michael Jackson my most intimate Michael Jackson connection. Wow! So, <clears throat> did you guys see the documentary last year, The Leaving Neverland? Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's and I, I believe those guys. Yeah, still on my DVR. It's yeah. Still on my DVR. I, yeah, it's like I, it was so compelling and disturbing, and I believe them. I um, believe them. How do you? How does that part of him figure into this show? And how does it? Do people come and are they? Able to have fun, or like, how does that color everything? Well, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, we get a lot of messages before we open from haters 
that are like, you are defaming Michael Jackson and you're doing all this stuff and finding Neverland is a lie. I had to and you probably get the other thing. <laughs> you probably get the other side of it, which is this is a horrible thing that's happening. Right. How can how, you make right, light of it? Right. How can you make a musical about this Or person? people who have turned on Michael Jackson because they believe in finding it. was like, yeah. well, then he's not worth spending any time or in, in, in because he's not a good person. Uh, we have to cancel him. Yes. But the people that have been coming, they get it. They 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 get it, and we don't we don't put this show is not about vilifying Michael Jackson. It really is what Danielle said earlier. It's sort of an alternative take on a view of like what maybe all the crazy stuff that we've heard about. How else it could have happened? And actually, in our particular story, and I'm not giving anything away by saying this, but he, Michael Jackson is one of the most purest, kindest, wholesome characters there it is. It's just the people around him are influencing him or the aliens around him are influencing him. Yeah, I think for one thing it ends at the time of thriller being recorded. Right. So it's before, you know, the dangerous era. Right. Um and it starts out at the Motown years. And it's uh there's a whole thing about the Peter Pan mythology. And I was telling someone last night how I went down this rabbit hole of Peter Pan has this whole thing of Peter Pan, he loses a shadow. Yes. And so someone, there's all these theories that Peter, one of the theories is Peter Pan was actually dead. Neverland is somehow like the afterlife. He's got to get his shadow back because that's his soul. So there's all this trippy stuff about a shadow self and a dark side and a, you know, what was Michael's shadow and what was the obsession with Peter Pan? And, you know, was that, because when my, you know, so the, it, it, it just, you know, it's like it makes you kind of make things whole or make things kind of make sense in a strange way. Like, to me, a lot of the weird gaps that you always thought were weird about Michael Jackson, watching the documentary makes things fall into place. Yeah. You know, like, okay, maybe he wasn't lonely because he was hanging out, playing video games in Simi Valley, you know, or he did have friends. We just didn't know about it. You know, yeah. he did have stuff he was doing, but he was just an image that we all knew that we just thought we knew the real Michael, but I guess we never really did, you know? Well, I think, I, I have met people that knew Michael Jackson. I don't think any, very few people knew him, knew him. Right. But uh, I had a, an opportunity to meet somebody, uh, very wealthy, who lived <laughs> next door to Neverland. Wow. And had oh, wow. dinner with Mr. Jackson a couple of times. And his, all he, I said, well, what can you tell me about him? He said, well... He's smarter than you probably ever would imagine that he would be. He was really shrewd, really smart, and he knew what he was doing. Right, right. And other people I know have all said that. That and, and other interviews I've seen, people have said that. So that's that's right. all we get is that he was shrewd and smart and right. A that's bit my calculating. thing. That's my thing because it's not so much about like like <laughs> the, the the Peter Pan stuff, and that's like one of the most. In, I, I noticed that the audiences that's a real song that tells a lot in the show. Because it's like, well, was that all just bullshit mm. to cover up? Because you obviously are a, a, a music mogul and a very smart man. You don't really have the mind of a five-year-old. Right. What's that about? And then it comes back to that, like, shadow self or probably him trying to rectify things and make things make sense. Didn't Quincy, Quincy Jones said that he was Machiavellian? Oh. Was, remember that Quincy went off and had that I didn't inter- watch that documentary. Oh, but Quincy had, a, like, a little interview. interview and he just, he spilled all the tea. And then his daughter said, hey, Dad. Calm down. And then he stopped, got quiet. <laughs> like, oh, he was telling all the good dirt. Mm, I, I love that there's an Osmond. 
Oh my god, yes. Because I have an Osmond thing. Uh, so tell me about, there's Osmonds in the... Yes. There's a Donnie Osmond. Nice. There's a, and there's Osmonds Family Puppets. Because oh, the there's another family, different yes. kind of puppets. There's a literal puppet theater. And it has other kinds of puppetry going on in addition to the full body puppets and the hand puppets. So Donnie appears, yeah, as a puppet. and Are they competitive, Donnie and Michael? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's well, like a whole thing. Th- this is part of, again, sort of explaining the, a little bit of why Michael may have done some of the things that he did. And, I mean, none of this is based on any reality. But <laughs> it's just fun. It's, it's just, just fun. Yeah. 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 And, uh, but it did, based on some reality, I mean, at the time that the Osmonds came along, they were the white Jacksons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did, and then Donnie kind of was, he, he bit a lot of Michael Jackson's stuff and, yes. and to try to keep himself relevant and popular. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, if, but if you're going to yeah. tie yourself to a horse, tie yourself to the fastest horse. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, you guys picked some questions from the observation deck, so I'm going to go through some of these because as you can tell, I'm losing my voice. Um, did that look like one of the ones that you guys picked? That's no. mine. That's oh, yours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What was your favorite or most memorable birthday? Okay. Um, since my mom's not going to listen because she doesn't listen to podcasts, I can tell you guys this. Okay. Uh, so I turned 50 last year and I went to Chicago and I, my mom threw me a nice party at my brother's house. And mm. that was a couple of days before my birthday. But on my actual birthday, I went to Hamburger Mary's in Chicago and met up with some friends for dinner. Uh-huh. Uh, there was a drag show. I got free shots. Uh-oh. Once I said I was 50 and I don't oh, look 50. Oh, no. Shots and was, like, at, people look like, 30. Right. So shots people are like, oh, at 50 is never a good idea. Let's give him more shots. <laughs> and I had a lot of shots. And I, But I outlasted everybody. And when everybody was like saying goodbyes and going home, I, I had this boy that I used to mess around with. And he was there. So he went back to my... Airbnb with me and we did our thing and he's like I gotta go home I gotta go to bed I'm like well alright see ya so I went back out again and I was out all night long just going from bar to bar and people buying me shots making out with pretty twinks (laughs) oh Chicago 2000 uh, 2018 I'm gonna get this right because my boyfriend will be mad Um, (laughs) oh good times that sounds amazing. And it you like, amazing. were you sick or hungover or just like nothing? No. Nope. Oh my goodness. I got up the next day and I had lovely breakfast. <laughs> I flirted with the waiter and tried to hook up with him, but it didn't work. Well, you know what? You had a pretty good run. Yeah. The night before. <clears throat> I think that you picked this one, Danielle. And yes. You, yeah. I'm going to have you guys read them because okay, I... Okay, sorry. I, no, Any I, limousine adventures? Yeah. In high school, senior year. We, those of us that weren't going to the prom, and I just want to say, I had gone to prom twice, you know, was single senior year, but it was like, okay, someone's mom was like, you guys should have the prom experience, so I'm going to rent a limo and you can drive by and watch all the other people going to prom. (laughs) And then it was some limo that was like 15 years old that when it backed into the driveway, the engine killed. Like it was, we're in a raggedy limo. And it's like, you know, this is kind of worse than not going at all. And that's pretty much it. It's an anti-adventure, but... It's it's a funny story, though. Do you, have you had any good limousine stories, Jeff? No. No. I, well, when I first moved to L.A., I got booked on a gig, and I was in a town car, and I was driving down the street, and I saw somebody that I knew from Chicago, and I had them stop, and I jumped down, and I was like, Hey, Jean! <laughs> and she's like... What the fuck? <laughs> like, who does that? I'm like, oh, I do. You had a town car. Yeah. Yeah. Sure enough. Okay, one of you picked this one. What's the most unprofessional behavior you've ever witnessed on a job? I worked at a job where someone threw a stapler at someone. Wow. I guess would pretty much be it. There would be fights on the daily. 
Yeah, since you left your husband and you're cheating with that man. Wow. And it was like, yes, I needed to teach him a lesson. No, it was like a so-called normal office. Wow. And someone hurled a stapler at someone. And I was like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. I can't. It was a kind of a family-run business. So there was this father, this mother and daughter that would be fighting in Hebrew all the time. So there's lots and of And people drama. would have to translate. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're so lucky you do not speak Hebrew right now. <laughs> Just a stapler. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think you picked this. Uh, what movie gave you nightmares? Okay. So way back in the day, kids, we used to go to these things called drive throughs and the thing that was great about drive throughs is a family could go, and the first movies that they would show would be family-type movies. And as the oh. night would wane on and get late, they'd get to the more adult oh, okay. movies. But the kids would be asleep, and the adults could enjoy the movie, right? And that was, like, I was very young, like probably five or six. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember what family movie we saw, but I do know that the late show was Live and Let Die. So I Isn't woke, that James Bond? The James yeah. Bond movie. So I woke up. At some music, da-na, da-na, and yeah. I woke up as a kid, and I so I had to see what was going on. And I saw Live and Let Die, and there's snakes, and there's Jeffrey Holder, and oh, that, yeah. that, ha, 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 ha. and I'm like, I was terrified. And for probably a week or two afterwards, I would wake up screaming in the middle of the night, There's snakes in my room, there's snakes oh in my, my room, God. and I could just hear Jeffrey Holder going, For me, it was Willard, my and I was warned, like, Don't watch it. And I, it was about, you know, a movie about rats. I had to sleep, not only in my parents' room, but in between them. And then I progressed to sleeping on one side of the bed. And then I progressed to, I can sleep on the floor, hugging the blanket. This went on for like six months. Wow. Like, they should have thrown me out. Or gotten me counseling. Either way. How are you with rats today? I can't stand them. (laughs) I'm not scared of them, but I'm grossed out by them. Yeah. I think this is one that I think you picked. What's a movie you walked out of? Oh, it's not very exciting, but I went to see Gross Point Blank, and I just thought it was really boring. It was a matinee, and I'm like, why? It was like at the Beverly's Connection or something. I'm like, what am I? This is boring. I'm going to leave. I'm I, out. I walked out of the Bourne Identity. Mm, I've, I've never seen it. It's not it's my... Good. It's not my... That's not my... That's not my jam. It's not your jam? I was in Little Rock, Arkansas with my Second City Touring Company, and I was like, I'm going to go across the highway. I'll be at the uh, Walmart. That's what I did. Yeah, that sounds much more fun. I think you picked this. What's the worst costume or uniform you've ever had to wear for work? Well, any costume. Well, no, any uniform uniform (laughs) is terrible to wear for work. I hate wearing a uniform so, so much. But the worst I think I ever have had to wear uh, was in a show that I did. um, uh, I had to be Mighty Mouse. Mm. In the show, and the costume was was these oh. big giant ears, and it was a big muscle suit that had been stuffed, but it was stuffed with uh, netting, so mm. the netting always moved around, and yeah. then it wasn't clean at the end, so like the little plastic edges would poke into my skin. I had little prickly marks mm-hmm. all over my torso from it, and then I had to put on this crazy makeup. I had to, Ugh. I had to basically put blackface on, oh. <laughs> and this yeah, darker yeah. makeup, and then these white circles in the middle uh, to make the mouse thing, and all that stuff like that. And I, and we would, it was a children's show that we did three times a day. Ugh. So yeah. you couldn't, you weren't like staying in it. You had to like take that oh, off. And- there was more in the opening number. I was uh, little boy blue, so I had a whole other thing where I was all pretty, and then I had to put that on. And I, and I was like, mm. can I just be cut from the opening numbers so I can do the makeup? 
for Mighty Mouse and be done with that. And yeah, like, yeah. No, you can't. So uh, showbiz. That's the showbiz. All right. Uh, what's the most? You pick this one. Oh, the most embarrassing album I have an iTunes or CD collection. I can't believe. I don't know. I don't can't really think of one. What about you? I have, I have Osmonds. I have Partridge Family. Mm. Boy George always said, never be embarrassed by anything you have. Yeah, I yeah, think all right. kinds of things. I, I just, for me, music. Okay, Journey's Greatest Hits. See, it's embarrassing. It's, it's cheesy. Nice. I guess. Don't Stop Believing is a classic. It's cheesy, but yeah, that's probably my like guilty embarrassment season. So good. <laughs> who, who sang um, Two Princes? Third Eye Blind? It wasn't Third Eye Blind. It was, they were really oh. super popular in the 90s. How did it go? Yes. I don't know. That <laughs> I have a couple of their tracks <laughs> because they remind me of grad school. Okay, That's, they yeah, were yeah, yeah. super popular. My boyfriend at the time loved them. Uh-huh. And it's one of those things when you're still young and coming out and you're like, I love everything he loves. I <laughs> think <laughs> <laughs> you picked this. Um, what did you get picked on for as a kid? My big old booty. Because mm. my butt was the same size it is now <laughs> when I was 10. And I had to wear husky jeans because uh-huh. no jeans would fit. Even I had a tiny waist, no other jeans would fit me. And I was so embarrassed I had such a big butt. And now it's my crowning glory. <laughs> did they call you names? Yeah, big butt. <laughs> big butt, potato sack. Potato sack? Yes. <laughs> I think you picked this one. What movie have you seen more than any other? Oh, gotta be Silence of the Lambs. Really? I just want, yeah. You love that crime stuff. I love crime stuff. I love Jodie Foster. I always was a big Jodie Foster fan. It's the best of both worlds. It's got a, such a, that great sequence at the end where she's, you know, no spoiler alert. I mean, the movie came out in like 1989. But that was one that I saw in the theater and then years later, I'm like, let me buy the DVD so I can watch it whenever I want. I mean, it, it like comforts me, that movie. That's so funny. What movie have you seen more than any other? Probably, it's either Coming to America or The Color Purple. Probably Coming to America because it's shorter. So I've seen, I've seen that a lot. And that's one of those movies that if it's on, even though I've seen it a million times, I was totally still watch it. Mm-hmm. Stop and watch it. Yeah, you're in. My backup would be Baby Jane, whatever happened to Baby Jane. Mm-hmm. That's another another horror. Yeah. <laughs> I think you picked this one. What's something you've worn only because someone else wanted you to? Anything I wore as a child. Yeah, you didn't like any of it. No, my mom dressed me, and Granimals were big back then, too, so that's what I wore. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And the other one that you picked is this one. Uh, where were you when it struck midnight on Y2K? I was in Peoria, Illinois, at my Aunt Sharon, God bless who passed away on Halloween. I was at her house <coughs> um, with her... Uh, then nine month pregnant daughter and we were watching Prince on pay per view the nineteen ninety nine concert. Oh my god, that's specific. And I was high. <laughs> <laughs> when was Y two K? Was that nineteen ninety nine? Nineteen ninety nine to two thousand. I, no I was at a friend's that. house in the hills. I remember a guy that I previously dated was having a party, and uh, I remember being there with friends and thinking, "Is this is this the Y two K of our?" Dream. No, it's okay. It's a C, C plus. Yeah, 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 yeah. We thought <laughs> nothing bad happened. Like, yeah, yeah. So it was all good. Zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Tell people how they can come and see the show. Well, our show runs Friday, Saturday, uh, Sundays, and Mondays at the CFI Center, uh, which is at the corner of Temple and Rampart in Los Angeles, Neco Park. Um, brand new get, space that they're using. Yes, yeah, the yes. brand spanking new. Yes, yeah. so we're the first thing to ever be there. Um, you can go to for the love of a glove 
brownpaperbook.com to buy tickets. You can also find tickets on Brown Paperback. Brown Paper Tickets. Brown Paper Tickets? Yes. I love it. <clears throat> and what, what do you hope people get out of it? I think, I, you know what? I just hope people are entertained. I mean, it yeah. really is super entertaining. There, there's no message. It's just entertaining. And, and it's, for a small theater show in L.A., it has a lot of production value. You, like, you really yeah. get a bang for your buck. Like, there, there's costuming, the costumes. there's puppets, there's there's some great talent. There's Michael show. Jackson doing triple turns in a thriller jacket. I mean, the... There's 20 plus... There's original... one actor that plays Michael. Yes, right? yeah. yes. There's 20 plus original pieces of music. Yeah, and the music is great. It's the, the music itself is an earworm and catchy, and then the lyrics are funny or poignant. It's, it, I, I'm, I'm really proud of where, what, we, what we're doing. And when they do come, what's your favorite moment for each of you? I love when I get to do this. Ooh, for me, I don't want to give too much away, but I like living out my fantasy of being a, uh, a backup dancer in a big international rock concert. <laughs> for Journey. Yes. <laughs> yes. I like, there's a number that we do uh, called Peter Pan. And that song is kind of my kind of groove and my kind of feel. And I like, I love singing it. I love singing it. I complained about the song throughout rehearsal. because It was really, a monster a to song. learn. It was, yeah. a, it was like, are we ever going to get this? But once we got I'm like, oh, I love this song. Yeah. It's I love really singing a highlight. it. Well, I was noticing in the program, there's one that's like, let's masturbate or don't yes. masturbate. <laughs> yeah. I hope people do that as their auditions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? In the future, yeah. yes. Well, thank you for having me. Thank Thanks. you. Sorry about my voice. No, I had it today. Better. It went away. Um, and congrats on the show. Thank, thank you. Okay. Bye. Thanks again to Danielle and Pip for the interview and for putting up with my lack of a voice. Um, go see their show, For the Love of a Glove. You can learn about it at fortheloveofaglove.com. All right, so this happened. Um, I was able to get out of the house and go see another play, um, What the Constitution Means to Me, at the Mark Taper Forum. Um, and it's terrific. I really loved it. I was not feeling well, but I got my ass out and I went and I really thought it was terrific. Um, it's a one person show with a couple other people that pop up. I don't know if that even means it's not a, a one person show anymore, but if you're in LA, I highly recommend you check it out. Um, it was provocative. It was funny. And it, as a writer, it really inspired me because it sort of break, broke a lot of its own rules in a way. Like it would just... If there was some weird disconnect, they would just throw it away in a line and the audience would just go with it. I don't know. It was, it was, I, uh, I felt, um, like the writer had a lot of, uh, liberty in the writing of, I'm just going to tell this story in this way and you're all going to go with it. And we did. So if you're in LA, that's definitely worth checking out. Um, that's enough for this week. Thanks again for listening, putting up with the voice and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye. Bye.